hiking to Big Woods. Those of you that are here, uh, you brave the cold. Those of you that are online, we welcome you as well. You may have received a note sheet when you came in this morning. And if you are terrified at the look of this, don't be. Okay, we can email you the notes later on today. Do the best that you can. If Heckman were here, up here, he would say it's just time to haul mail. That's what we have to do this morning. There is a lot to cover, so there is much for us to learn from the Word of God this morning. Before we pray, let's direct our attention to verses 4 through 8, Romans chapter 12. Our text will be in front of you on the screen, the Word of the Lord. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us Use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we dive into our text this morning. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we love you. We thank you for this time that we have to gather. Together as your children, we gather as family. We gather as brothers and sisters to hear from you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is perfect. And it's perfectly applicable for every single one of us and it reaches us it touches us wherever we are at in our journey in our faith walk father right now as we begin to examine um, the gifts that are before us that we would have attentive hearts and minds and as sierra has just prayed we've been reminded repeatedly we've been given ears from you help us to hear a word from you not from a man not from an individual Father, I ask that I would disappear in the process, that you would just simply allow me to be a vessel that is filled up by your spirit and poured out for your glory. Please help me to not distract in any way, to say any word or phrase that would be harmful or would hurt, but Lord, that every word would be with clarity and sincerity for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have a sheet in front of you filled with lines. Hold on to that. We'll get to the lines, in all honesty, towards the latter part of our message this morning. Okay? That's a lot of the practical application. We just read a couple verses. Remember, this follows the introduction. Remember the ground rules of verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12? By the mercies of God, you present yourselves a living sacrifice. By the grace that has been given to each one of us. Don't think more highly than you ought to think. So we think about what? All of this. 
after we have received this undeserving gift or unmerited gift of God's grace and God's mercy, which ultimately is the gospel, is the good news of Jesus, we've accepted that by faith, and we love to receive gifts, the gift ultimately of salvation. Now hold on to this. There's more under the tree. There's more gifts that are given to you. Every single one of us loves to receive gifts. The Holy Spirit imparts. He wraps up and puts a bow on it with your name on at least one gift for every single believer that is to be used for his glory. Now we step back from that and we say that's pretty clear. That's pretty simple. Lord willing, we're going to learn over these next couple of weeks not just to, to recognize your gift, which we have to do, not only are we going to learn how to exercise our gift, which you have to be able to do, but what we'll see is that those things really aren't the challenge. The difficult part for us is not recognizing your gift or exercising your gift. The challenge for all of us is exercising our gift alongside of one another. That's going to be the push. That's going to be the tension for us. It's not, well, what gift do I have? It's how we exercise our gift alongside of one another. Do you guys know what a backseat driver is? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's the individual. It's the guy who's, who's, who's constantly giving instruction, okay, from what? From, from the back. See, you probably, probably want to turn left here. You want to put your blinker on? Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. You want to slow down? Now, what's the problem with the backseat driver? Here, little hint. There's no steering wheel back there. Okay, there's no brakes. Which means what? You just sit there and keep your mouth closed. That's the job that you have in the back seat. Remember, it was actually some time ago. And I, I forgive me, I, I can't stand, I can't stand, I'm being honest, a backseat driver. I remember one time, it was actually some time ago, that I was driving with uh, Jason Roop. This is a long time ago. And, and I remember, like, as I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and I, I kind of was like, hey, man, you probably want to switch lanes here. And he just looked. He didn't, he didn't say anything. He just looked at me. And I was like, oh, I'm doing it. Jason gives you a look. You don't mess with that. That's kind of the idea right here. When we have been given a job to do, in all honesty, and this is the balance, we have to be able to speak into one another's lives, but we're not directing and instructing them on how to do it. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Now, to help us understand this, there is a wonderful and a well-known illustration that is given or an analogy that is given of the human body it's used to describe how the church is to work think of a human body your body there's many parts there's unique parts diversity and unity just as the body your physical body has many parts eyes ears nose hands feet and toes what the local church also has many members. The local church has many parts to it, and yet all of it is to work in coordination. And we see this from this phrase that we just read, that there's one body in Christ and, uh, underscore, individually members 
one of another, which means what? Your hand does not function autonomously. If your hand is moving without what? Without any, there's a problem to that. The hand works in coordination with the other hand. Same idea goes with every part of our body. So what the author does here is he begins admittedly with this phrase, we have gifts that differ. And so what he's doing is he's steering our attention, he's directing our attention to the reality that what? We are all unique. Diversity represented. Yet, as unique, as different, as weird as we all are, We all have one single function. We all have ultimately one job. Here it is. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, you do it all for the glory of God. When we focus on a single goal, remember the little little kids in the tug of war last week? When there's one goal, we're all pulling the same direction. The differences that exist, what? Not, not should just work out. The difference is actually when we're focused on one goal should actually cause us to thrive. Now remember, this is the design that has been given to us from God. But think about this. Just as the human body slowly over a period of time grows and strengthens and matures into coordination the local church is to do exactly the same thing. Which means what? We're not going to figure this out immediately. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. Babies don't get athletic scholarships. It just doesn't happen like that. Why? After a period of time with a lot of nourishment and exercise, there's a gift that is given and it's recognized that's the way it is to work with the local church so important he uses the illustration of the body in in here in Romans chapter 12 but also in 1st Corinthians chapter 12 and it's actually emphasized again many pieces working together in Ephesians chapter 4 let me direct your attention to what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in verse 1 I urge you walk in a manner Worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness. Listen to this. This is how we exercise our gifts. With patience. Patience. Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. In one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to uh, your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And by the grace given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Which automatically reminds us, you see this one word repeated like 27 times one? That's how we are to function. Not autonomously, not independently. We function in coordination with one another. So how do we begin to do this? First of all, we have to understand, like, what, what is, like, we understand the gift of salvation received. What is, what is a spiritual gift? 
How do we use this in the beautiful, eclectic blend of the body together as one? A spiritual gift simply is defined as a gift of grace granted by the Holy Spirit to individuals to be exercised under the Lordship of Christ for the edification of the church. Note it says, under the Lordship of Christ, under the direction or directive of God himself, which means your gift is simply to be received. You don't argue, like, I, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, wrong size. I don't want it. Doesn't work like that. God himself knows you, designed you. He offers you this gift. Your job is to simply receive it. You don't argue with the maker. We accept it as what? Under the lordship of God, for the edification, which means the building up of the body of Christ. Now, 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 we don't think too highly about ourselves. We don't think too lowly about ourselves. Particularly when basically the list of seven gifts that we have right here before us. Are, are generally fairly safely divided into two categories. We have speaking gifts and we have serving gifts. There's a little bit of overlap with some of them. But generally speaking, it's, it's, it's going to fall into one of those two categories. What words enunciate it, you articulate, and what? We have hands and feet. And we have a heart that is, what? Designed. So you're given a desire to build up one another for the glory of God. And when we think about a spiritual gift that is given, let me just remind you, don't get too puffed up about this. Joel Beakey, actually, he defines this, while some gifts are miraculous, others are the Spirit's supernatural empowerment of the ordinary. Human activities to produce spiritual effects which basically means what there is no one leaping tall buildings in a single bound so 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 understand that there's no superman there's no supergirl amongst us so my goal today is to explain okay what 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 are the individual gifts and this is not an exhaustive theological treatise on each, but hopefully enough for you to learn so to understand, like, like, what is it? How do I use it? How do I plug it in alongside of the others? Now, there's one little dilemma that I do have to admit in my preparation here is that I went back and I've preached on spiritual gifts before. The first time I preached on this actual text, I covered seven spiritual gifts in one message. That was really tough. So my goal was, okay, I think realistically, we could actually spread it out over a couple weeks. So my goal today was two spiritual gifts. And then I began to write the message. Today we're going to learn about one spiritual gift is the best that we can do. Okay, now when you hear about this particular gift, do not under any circumstance say, that's not me. And so then you like get out your phone and you, you scroll through social media. Okay, that's not to happen. The reason is this, if you have or have not this gift, you've got to stay engaged because I can guarantee you, if you don't have the gift, somebody sitting next to you or near you does. 
Which means what? If we're to function as one in coordination, you better figure out why they talk the way they talk. Why they respond the way that they respond. So we have to stay engaged. Here's our first spiritual gift we're going to look at this morning. If prophecy in proportion, the NIV would use the term in accordance to our faith. So the first spiritual gift we're going to look at today is prophecy and you can fill in that blank there's a definition that i don't want you to write down you're not going to be able to do it okay richard blaylock defines the gift of prophecy like this it's an excellent definition okay bit bit on the wordy side i will say listen to this richard blaylock defines the gift of prophecy as this the miraculous act of intelligible communication Rooted in spontaneous divine revelation and empowered by the Holy Spirit, which results in words that can be attributed to any and all persons of the Godhead and which therefore must be received by those who hear or read them as absolutely binding and true. Now, that's a mouthful. It's actually a very accurate definition but it's too much for us at this point okay intelligible communication what do we call that words Wayne Grudem says this I like his definition of the gift of prophecy it's telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind that's pretty accurate that's still not the definition that we're going to use as working definition we'll get to that in just a little bit But Grudem's definition here is actually very accurate and very simple. It's simply telling someone, somebody has been given a gift from God, the Holy Spirit, that what? You're able to tell something that God has automatically or spontaneously brought it to your mind. I am reminded of the words of Solomon. I've used this on many occasions because I love this phrase. Proverbs chapter 25. A good Working definition from Scripture, Proverbs 25, verse 11. And I love the old King James translation of it. A word fitly spoken is like what? Apples of gold in pitchers of silver. You know what I'm talking about? Someone who has the perfect word. Not, not just the perfect word, but it's someone who is gifted. As you talk to them, they have the right word at the right moment. And it fits. Apples of gold. I've never seen a gold apple in my life. In pictures. Of, so I didn't know apples went in pictures. But I love the description. It's perfect. And this gift includes not just like any word but the attention is it's a word of truth that directly aligns or perfectly aligns with the truth of the word of God and we know this to be certain why and it tells us we have to be very careful in the exercising of this gift because what does it say it says that we're to exercise the gift of prophecy in proportion, the word is analogia, in proportion to our faith. Now what's interesting is this, automatically, if you remember, if you have good memories, some of you, some of you, some of you, 
If you think about in proportion to our faith, verse 6, it automatically kind of connects us to verse 3 when there was this phrase, what? Measure of our faith. That's a different word. Measure is metron. And what's interesting is that we think, well, maybe proportion of faith is like measure of faith. If you recall anything by way of last week, if you have good memories, I stress the fact that it wasn't the amount of faith. It was actually the object of faith. Romans chapter 4 verse 5, Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. His faith is counted as righteousness. Some have faith in God and others do not. Some understand the righteous requirement of Christ's atoning blood paid for the sacrifice of their sins, redeeming us. Some have faith in that, some do not. So we know that the measure of faith was not about the amount, but in this case, when it talks about the proportion of faith, it is talking about the amount. The, the amount. Think about how much you can hold. hold it in one hand, hold it in two hands, like whoa, overflowing the amount, the proportion of our faith. Paul is instructing those people who have been gifted with this gift, the gift of prophecy, to speak, think about this, only when they have the faith the right amount of faith or the right amount of confidence that the Holy Spirit is revealing something to them. Which means what? If you don't feel the Holy Spirit is giving you these words, let me be polite, shut up. That's what it's saying. In proportion to our faith means I know this is not my word. I know this is not, I know this comes directly from the Holy Spirit. I have a responsibility. I must speak. If there is doubt, like, I don't know, this could sound good. This could sell well. But I don't really know. Then don't say it. That's what Paul is talking about here by way of be very, very careful. The, the reason is what? Is that it doesn't expand beyond the faith that God has given them. Because if we do that, we function in a way that simply says, whoa, we try to impress others. Wow, he's got so much to say. Does he really? If it's over the proportion of our faith, then what we're trying to do is we're trying to make ourselves look better than we actually are. And, and it's important to understand it because it actually helps explain this gift of prophecy. It's not saying whatever you want to say. But it's simply saying only what God would have you say. I'm reminded of the words of Peter. Now think about Peter. Did he say some things that he probably should not have said? Yeah. Yeah. Did he open up his mouth? They talk about the fact that he what? He opened up his mouth and he put his foot in his mouth too many times. That's Peter. And yet it's Peter who later writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, whoever speaks, let him speak as one who what? Speaks the oracles, the very oracles of God. Only say what God would say. Can I just repeat that? One who has the gift of prophecy is speaking in such a way that they would only use the same words that God himself would use. We step back and we're like, well, that's pretty clear. This is a simple one, right? Wrong. 
if Christians could argue about something, they'll find a way to argue about it. And that's exactly what has happened with this particular gift. And I'm not going to dive too deep in it, but you need to be aware. We'll get the 30,000 foot level on this. So what basically has happened with the gift of prophecy is that there is significant debate. They use the word debate, arguments, on what is a word of God versus a word from God. Okay? Now, it may seem like a little nuanced, but it's very, very important. So there's basically two camps or two categories. One is what we refer to as the continuous the continuationalist would say what? That this gift continues on in exactly the same way that the Old Testament prophets or the New Testament apostles were gifted to speak a word from God even to the point that it goes outside of or beyond the written word. Now we have to be careful here because we know, wait a minute, isn't the word of God complete? So some people would say that the gift of prophecy continues on exactly. That there's individuals, and you've probably heard this before, such and such is a prophet, and you, they would use uppercase P, or an apostle that exists today. That's a continuationist. I would be very careful with anyone who would say, oh, I have a word from God that is in addition to this word, where this is going to happen to you in your future. I'd be very careful with that. Whereas the other camp is what is referred to as a cessationist, where, where the, the, the gift of prophecy has ceased to exist the way that it originally did, now that what scripture is closed. Now, Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, were giving a view of what was to come, foretelling the future. Look for this sign. And, and I believe what? That, that office has ceased. I don't see a prophet today. I don't see an apostle today. I see people exercising the gift of prophecy appropriately and certainly continuing on the work of an apostle. We're to do all of that. All of those are to do that. So, so, Old Testament prophet, counterpart, New Testament apostle, the office has ceased. It has closed. So, although there's parity between the two, and both spoke with a unique authoritative agent, we what? We too are to speak the very words of God. But remember, Scripture is complete. The canon is closed. We don't add to this. When, when anything is spoken that is not or could not be backed by the truth of Scripture, then I would be very, very cautious about this. Truth is truth. Absolutes are absolute. And it's closed. So the application of this is still key. It still has to be exercised. It has to be exercised with great care and with great caution. Those that have been given this specific gift. Perhaps, and this is the definition we can use, what? A, a, a simple working definition of the gift of prophecy is the spirit-given ability of interpreting and explaining the word of God clearly and accurately. I think that that is a, a, a wise, a simple, what do we do? How do we function as a local church? Spirit-given ability of interpreting and explaining the word of God 
clearly and accurately. Often, but certainly not limited to, I would hope that a pastor could do that. I would hope that a preacher of the Word of God could do that. But is it limited to those in the office of a pastor? Absolutely not. Make it very, very clear that others, many, many others, should be able to accurately one theologian said, what, prophecy at this day in the Christian church is hardly anything else than the right understanding of scriptures and the peculiar faculty of explaining it. I know some people automatically, what, because they push and push and they push. Well, if it's primarily, and oftentimes they do have pastors and preachers who have the gift of prophecy, and we know that 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, it's in the masculine form. So, so do, do men tend to have this more? Or is this office, is, is this gift exclusive to male men? Let me, let me be explicitly clear, absolutely not. Under no circumstance whatsoever is this limited. No gift, no spiritual gift. I don't believe listed here in, in, in Romans chapter 12 is limited to men or women. I think we both and all can and should. I recently spoke with a woman right here in our church that says what? Quote, there are many, many opportunities for this gift to be used by a woman in the local church. Just because someone's not standing up and preaching doesn't mean they can't exercise the gift of prophecy. There's many people that need to hear a right understanding of the scriptures and the peculiar faculty of explaining it. Just think for a moment how many places in our community today as we seek to be one. Building is wonderful. Praise God for the provision. But it's what? It's a tool to do work, to bring people in and to train ourselves here to go out. How many opportunities we see so many young girls pushing baby strollers in our community, single moms. We see so many teenagers that are in need of guidance, young married people. We see hurting children and youth all over the place that need what? An accurate and absolute clear teaching of the word of God. Jen Wilkin, uh, author today, teacher, executive director of Family and Next Generation Ministries at the Village Church. I love the description. When I begin to think about who are, who are, who are well-spoken women today that have this gift, and she would be one of them. She's described as an advocate for biblical literacy. Her passion is to see others become articulate and committed followers of Christ with a clear understanding of why they believe what they believe grounded in the Word of God. Is that a beautiful description? I think of what Elizabeth Elliot in our history tells us what a, a woman who has the ability to do this. Anne Graham Lotz. Uh, last night, many of you yesterday received an email update from Joy Trumbull serving the Lord in New Mexico. There's a, there's a young woman with the gift of prophecy immediately what steers toward the word of God. And it's, it's, it's obvious. So how, how do we begin to do this? This is where we can in closing. This actually goes fairly quickly, but I'll send this to you if you can. You, you may have this gift. 
You may have this gift of prophecy if what? You find yourself with a, a motivational drive to go directly to the word of God and direct people to the same. So in a sense, you're beginning to say like, do, do I, would I, could I? If you find yourself, what, automatically just driven, someone you're in dialogue with has a question, and automatically, immediately, like, well, I, I don't know, but the Word of God says, th that helps identify, maybe you do have this particular spiritual gift. If you find yourself compelled to speak in a way that is just very, very clear and understandable, you repeat yourself to make sure when you're talking with someone and like there's the blur, there's the foggy look, that doesn't suffice. That's not sufficient. You've got to back it up and, and you have to hear me on this. Does this make sense to you? You want to be clear. Accuracy, relevancy, and clarity, I think, help define. If you can see through the fog... Now, sometimes it's people just like swirling in confusion. If you can look into a situation and you begin to spend time with the person and you see through the fog and the confusion and you just call it what it is. If it's sin, you call it sin. Because a, a gift of prophecy is for the, what? For the building up, the edification of the local church for the glory of God. If you quickly discern, and some of you got to read on this, He's just, he's just blowing sunshine. She, she is not up front with me. And, and there's something inside of you that you can see through the insincerity and the dishonesty. And you have this ability to automatically say, you know what, you are messing with some dangerous areas. Hypocrisy is going to bring great offense, great damage. And you can see through, perhaps you have that gift of prophecy now someone who has that gift there's automatic blessings and strengths and you have to begin to see some of these and understand some of these what are some strengths that the body of christ has and needs as a result of those gifted in this way number one they're confident in his or her use of scripture it's not a vacillating maybe it's confident and it's bold and it's clear Generally, they can be very, very teachable themselves because they understand the weight of the Word of God. When confronted with their own sin, they very easily, because they understand what? This is a Word of God. Um, accepts absolutes easily. Takes God in His Word. Some people watch the, the Word of God says it, and, and, and it's okay with me on that. I don't fully understand it. But, but I understand what, who said it, understand the character of the one who said it, and I accept the fact that there is right and there is wrong, and God's Word is explicit on that. Another strength is that they're not easily swayed or blown. Think of... Uh, uh, um, the ocean tossed to and fro in the waves and the storm. This is a person, a person who has this gift is not easily swayed by emotions. They're probably not going to have like the super highs, like whoa, or the super lows. They're not going to be tossed to and fro or swayed by emotions. They have a deep capacity to trust God based on the promises that God has given. If it's right, do it. Trust God. 
I'm, I'm there for you. I'll assist you. Uh, there's some strengths to the gift of prophecy. Now, also, what? There's always weaknesses. And we have to understand this. What are some weaknesses of someone who has the gift of prophecy? They can be outspoken and, and brash. Forgive me, they can, they can actually sound annoying at times. Believe me, Jeremiah didn't have a lot of friends or people wanted to hang around him. He probably wasn't the funnest guy. So they can be very outspoken. Therefore, if you have this gift, you have to be careful and see one another. You're functioning as a body, not what? On your own. We know as what? They can seem insensitive or even harsh at times. The desire for them to speak truth is so strong that they're just going to say it. And sometimes they don't take the time to maybe package it. Remember Ephesians 4 says to speak truth, yes, in love. Give a moment to think about how it's being received. Sometimes the weakness is that they can seem pretty harsh. They can, they can lack sympathy with people. They can even be impatient because what? You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. There's not a response fast enough. And so they can be impatient, a weakness. They can even sound intolerant or, or prideful. Their way is the right way. I think it's a confidence oftentimes in the word of God, but it can sound like, man, you have it all wrapped up, don't you? So you have to be careful with that. Led, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because of their deep, in a sense, consciousness towards sin, they can also be very, very negative. They're the ones who are like, did you see the news today? It's really bad and it's getting worse. And they can have a, a dark outlook. It can be pretty gloomy approach to life. Does it mean that when we have someone in our church who, who tends towards seeing the glass half empty, it's like, that's it, I'm out, I don't want to be around you? No, no, perhaps God needs us to have the balance of how we what? Work together as one. For the glory of God, for the building up of the body. How do I personally identify my spiritual gift? And, and we know, and we even do this in our membership class, you can take a spiritual gifts test. You go online, you click this box, answer this question, click this, you respond A, B, C, or D, and click the one. And they're wonderful. The problem is, is that oftentimes we answer the test the, the, the way that we want to be, as opposed to we really are. So I, I, don't, I don't put a lot of weight. We did talk about it recently just as elders. And, and the great suggestion came up is what? You can take the test, but give the test to someone else and take it for you. How do you see me? How would you see me respond to these particular questions? I think that helps because we're to use one another to affirm or what? Deny gifts and strengths that exist. I think one of the best ways to determine, how do, we, how do I know, is simply look around for opportunities to serve within the context of the local church, and you begin to take the first step towards that, simply by doing it. And other people will very quickly, gr graciously and kindly steer you. Drew said this, what? The best way to determine your spiritual gift is to be in motion. The Holy Spirit and the people of God will direct you accordingly. I think there's great wisdom to that. 
Which means what? You're, many people just kind of like, I can't do anything in church. I don't, I don't know what my gift is. So what happens is that we have a lot of the church sitting, waiting for like it to be written in the sky. It's not going to happen like that. Here's, here's what you have to do. In front of you, in your little chair, you have a, a card. And it says, Big Woods Bible Church communication card. And there's a block there, and there's even a pen next to it. Take the pen and write the question, I want to learn what my gift is. Help me. Okay? H-E-L-P. Help. And then put your name on it and drop it in one of the back boxes. And I can guarantee you this week will not go by before somebody follows up. You say, you want to find out what your gift is? Let me, let me help you with that. That's what we want to do. Places people what are the offices that generally there are a thousand opportunities for people with the gift of prophecy to serve in our children's ministry in our youth ministry in sunday school in home groups um, in accountability relationships we need truth tellers in in discipleship relationships um, someone who mentors another person a coach a teacher a counselor these are all individuals. If you feel that you have what? I have to speak truth. Then, then we can position you. Fathers and mothers better be exercising the gift of prophecy when it comes to raising your own children, husbands and wives. Pastors, missionaries, certainly all over the place. What do we do? We'll just leave you with this. Pray first and foremost. Pray for clarity. Lord, Lord, I, want, I don't want to be a bump on a log. I don't want to be sucking air and taking up space. I'm here for a purpose. Pray for clarity. Look for an opportunity. Listen to one another. And one another, we don't attack or criticize. We what? We're helping to build the body up. And simply enjoy seeing the Lord use you. And what happens, what happens is that not only is this body built up and strengthened, but what happens with a healthy church is that it pours out into the community around us. Gift one. We'll move a little bit quicker from here on out. Bow our heads and pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for who you are. Thank you for the, for the privilege that you've given to us. That you, you wrap up and that you present us with your gifts for your glory. And help us, Lord, to be aware of that. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to others that are different than us. And help us to be a church that is on fire, ignited. Not just to exist, to build up one another, but ultimately for your glory so that other people around us would declare your glory as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.